0: Welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 120. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me today in the studio, we have another guest, Mark Ashen. Hello. And so today, you and I are going to be talking about why we hesitate to open up about our beliefs. And to give some context to our listeners, you and I had a wonderful conversation a few months ago in which I asked you very candidly what you believe. And the reason that I did so is because i had been watching a very emotional video I had seen on YouTube and realized that as people, we rarely discuss those things. And I understand that there is a lot of societal pressure behind that. And I absolutely recognize and respect that. But to a degree, especially with close friends and people that you trust, and I'm gesturing to Mark for those who are listening, I think there's a degree of illogic in not asking those things because If they are close to you, maybe you don't have the right to ask them, but I do think it's worth trying. And if people respond negatively, back off and don't force it. But my first question to you is actually, as best you can remember, when I said those words, what was your thought process? And did it come across as an abnormal thing in the way that I anticipated it actually
1: might be? My first thought when you asked me went straight to religion, because that word belief has that connotation. I think also for context, you walked up to me and just said, what do you believe? That was the question. No extrapolation, nothing else. And I felt like the brevity of the question made me want to think about what else I believe. So one of the first things I said was, I believe in God, but not in religion. But then I started thinking about other things that belief could mean. And I said, I believe something along the lines of, I believe that I'm a good person. I believe that people are fascinating. I believe that the human race is in trouble, and things along those lines. I think that belief does have a religious connotation, but it also refers to what you think and what you feel in a given day, and that informs everything.
0: I agree with you completely, and I feel that one reason we do struggle so thoroughly to discuss our beliefs openly and articulately with others is that beliefs are, to me, facts that we have internalized without substantial scientific evidence. And so you could say you're a good person, which has a morality tied to it. And many people could say, well, Mark, based on examples of my experience with you, that's not true. And you have, of course, lived your life for nearly two decades, and others don't have that knowledge that you do. Facts, however subjective, based in your experience. And so this discussion of beliefs can be a conversational powder keg of sorts because those facts eventually are bound to clash with one another. And you could say, I believe in small government and you are bound to cross someone who feels the opposite. And to me, that's one reason that it can be a dangerous subject to broach, but I feel by the nature of its very conversational danger, it is worth considering if not pursuing. And so that's what we're attempting to do in this conversation. And I appreciate your willingness, one, to discuss it now, but two,
1: to discuss it then. Small talk really is, I feel, very boring. That's just a personal thing about me. I love people. I love interacting with people. I'm very extroverted, but I really don't like it when the conversation that you're having with a stranger or a really close friend is just about what classes you're taking, what the weather's like. I don't find that really interesting. But I understand why people do it because it's a lot safer. You don't come up with that clash of beliefs. If you share your beliefs all the time, you're going to eventually find someone that completely doesn't believe that, completely thinks that what you believe is wrong, and you can't really prove it because it's your belief. It's not oh, the world's getting warmer. It's, I don't believe love is a thing. Whereas someone else is saying, I'm in love right now, how can you disprove me? And that is just so messy. And I feel like a lot of people think that that can lead to conflict and fighting and arguments, which are scary. But if you have the basis of, I'm just going to share my beliefs, and I understand that they're not necessarily real or provable, and that I know that the person I'm talking with is not going to shoot them down, I think that that's some of the most interesting conversations that you can have.
0: That's a really great perspective to have. And I hope you felt that I wasn't going to shoot you down because I genuinely was interested to learn. And for me, that involved a mental preparation of sorts in reminding myself, whatever he says, these are his beliefs that I must respect on some level, whether I agree or not, because he is being vulnerable. And I appreciate that. And when you're talking about small talk in comparison to what we might coin as belief talk. For me, they oppose one another as discussions about our external world and conversations about our interior individuality. And for me, small talk can be boring for that reason because we often perceive the same weather, etc. And so it isn't interesting, there's no nuance there. Whereas I will never live the life of Mark Ashen and I would love glimpses even if they will never give me the whole picture Because by the nature of your perspectives being different, there's something interesting there to me, which in many ways grounds the conversations that I try to have on this show. Because however ill-equipped or unqualified people feel, their nature of being different is necessary in a growing conversation and a growing understanding of other people.
1: Yeah, you can hear that it's snowing from your ex-girlfriend or from a complete stranger. That's a fact in a conversation you can have with anyone. You can't have a conversation about why someone's a Republican if they're a Democrat or something along those lines. And I feel like that's much more interesting and you can learn much more about a human being if you dive right into something substantial. I receive the impression that a lot of people don't want to step out of small talk because if they do, they might get into some emotional territory and that will inform their whole day that if they talk about something real or mind shattering or big to make assumptions about everyone I don't know, that it will affect them, that they'll go through the rest of the day thinking, oh, I'm insignificant or oh, I'm mean or something along those lines. Whereas I know that for me, having a conversation about my beliefs, if it taps into something emotionally raw, is a kind of catharsis. It allows me to feel or think whatever I'm going to feel, and then I step back from it and live the rest of my day after the conversation that I have with Kip or anyone that would be willing to have that conversation with me. And I'm glad that you bring up
0: topics like politics because we were fortunate to have that conversation in the context of a college and a liberal arts college at that. And I'd be very curious to hear what you think about that context as allowing or offering some unspoken permission to discuss beliefs in a way that the dinner party in 20 years or a coffee shop at some point in your adult life might not permit that same dialogic intimacy.
1: Yeah, I think that the time that we're in, the fact that I'm 19 gives me a lot of leeway because I don't necessarily have to have a concrete sense of myself yet. I feel like society gives me a lot of leeway to change my beliefs at this time, whereas if I was 40 and I started contradicting myself, I might start getting a lot of negative sanctions and people telling me, you can't do that. But it's interesting that you bring up college because I feel that, maybe this is just because we go to Kenyon, but I feel that there are certain topics that the fact that we're in the society, it gives us a lot more leeway. We have a lot more say in what we think and we can broach topics that we couldn't necessarily at a dinner party. But at the same time, I do feel that this place doesn't allow other conversations to occur. I feel that if I shared certain beliefs that I have, people wouldn't want to engage me in that. They'd try to shoo it off or they would challenge me to a certain extent. It's the same reason that so many comedians don't like to do shows at colleges is because they get a lot of pushback. People don't laugh at the jokes. People say, you can't say that for X, Y, Z reasons. And it's such a bubble where people believe what they believe in the kind of sanctioned context that we're in. Other beliefs aren't as welcome. And it's crucial that you
0: bring up comedians and potentially offensive or unsettling beliefs because one reason that truly occurs to me now regarding our discomfort with such discussions is that beliefs can be hard to unpack. And for some people who aren't self-reflective or don't have the opportunities to reflect in a conversational sense on what they believe, they might not know. And I would argue that our beliefs are expressed constantly and daily. The way we sleep, the way we eat says something about how we are to comport ourselves as people. And in terms of very sensitive issues such as racism, homophobia, sexism, I think certain people might feel uncomfortable discussing their beliefs because, and this is my personal perception, on some level, perhaps subconsciously, they are aware that they believe these things even if they cannot articulate them or for reasons of social backlash, as you've pointed out, are aware that they would be criticized for sharing these beliefs. And again, it's hard to say what people believe without them expressing that. And even if they do, you might not necessarily trust their motives for saying so. And I think that gets into some very tangled and dark territory where belief can be subconscious and can be associated with what we've been taught and the environments in which we grow up which is a very broad field to enter. But I'd be very curious to hear what you think about controversial and potentially subconscious beliefs as they relate to this larger question we have about the discomfort in discussing one's beliefs.
1: People believe that black people aren't human beings. People believe that the Jews should be exterminated. Those are things that people believe. And in our modern enlightened society, we always say, of course, these are not true. And I do not want to imply that I believe those things, but they are beliefs. It gets back to this idea that beliefs are subjective and you can't disprove them. You can try to push back against them and say that belief is wrong or that belief is going to lead to hate or bad actions. And you can try and curb those, I think, in children a little bit. And that's probably where it's most important. But... I hesitate to say that controversial beliefs are important to society because if they take over, you get something like a Third Reich situation, which is horrible. But at the same time, I don't want to endorse the idea that we should all have nice, sweet, perfect beliefs because I really enjoy having conversations with people that drastically differ from mine. When I go to see a movie, I really enjoy it when my friends hated the movie and I loved it and we can talk about why. Which on the spectrum of controversial beliefs is a much more bland belief, but is still kind of. On the spectrum of controversiality. Definitely. And I would encourage
0: the audience to sit with that discomfort that perhaps we are bound to or historically have shown as a species to controversial and opposing opinions and beliefs. And I would even say that problematic beliefs such as racism or anti-Semitism, which again, neither Mark nor myself are supporting. Are not themselves a root belief, but maybe a response to another belief in the idea of superiority or the belief in violence as an appropriate means of expressing one's disagreement with something or an insecurity, which to a degree is a belief that you are not as valuable or as worthy as another group, and therefore that is why they are the subject of terrible treatment and hatred. And it can be very hard to unpack one's beliefs because, as you point out in children, where thoughts and ideas, are often more conscious and fresh and can be molded to some degree, which troubles me to say, as we grow older, those layers thicken and harden over what maybe were some of our younger or more infantile perceptions of our world. And college has shown me personally that while it is important to be aware of and question and try to substantiate one's beliefs, many of them come from nonverbal and potentially primal or artistic and visual areas of our world that if you see an advertisement with very minimal language but the model has a certain body type that says something about a cultural or societal belief in many cases about women that we don't discuss as people that's one of the reasons that i wanted to have that conversation with you at lunch not to expose what might be more problematic beliefs of yours but to encourage you, as I would encourage our audience, to articulate what we often do not put into words. And again, in talking about how hard it can be to talk about our beliefs, I think there is this public aversion to exposing our personal vulnerabilities that have been culturally planted there. Because I would contend that while we are not responsible for the origins we cannot control of the beliefs which dictate our perspective of the world, I do feel we are responsible for genuinely reflecting on what, why, and how we believe. And I worry that many people conflate those two areas of responsibility and feel that beliefs are too deeply entrenched in all of us to ever bother confronting their own. And if there is any hope there, I would say it's that we have to Try and pursue an awareness of our beliefs, and if not to articulate them, to try and uncover the sources and how they manifest in our lives. But I would ask you, because you referred to such an individual in our conversation that lunch, why you think certain people are more uncomfortable discussing their beliefs and having such
1: dialogues. I'm not sure why certain people are more averse to talking about their beliefs, because I only know why I do like talking about my beliefs, but I can give an example of a friend of mine. This friend from back home is one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my entire life. He's super fast. He picks up concepts quicker than I've ever seen anyone do. But when we start talking about, say, does God exist or things along those lines, he will instantly shut down, say something like, "Uh, I don't know, I don't know, or man, I really want to talk about that, or Things to kind of curb that conversation. He's totally emotionally available. He talks about all of his problems with me all the time, and I talk about mine to him. But when it comes to this kind of conceptual framework, he really doesn't want to deal with it. And I've never confronted him about it and never talked to him about it, but it's very interesting to me. I've learned that if I want to have a conversation like this, I'll go to you or another friend of mine who's much more open to the idea of talking about belief or belief systems. But a lot of people just do not want to, for whatever reason in their background that makes them want to do that. I don't know why, though. Well, one theory that
0: emerges for me after hearing about that friend, and I have parallels in my life of people who are similarly very intelligent and great with facts and knowledge, I wonder to what extent the nature of beliefs as entities which are fluid and changing and, as we've said before, cannot always be based in fact or pure cognitive experience that we can distinctly articulate, makes them necessarily uncomfortable to people who are great at dealing with facts and what can be proven and shown, either scientifically or empirically. And for me, the appeal of beliefs is that they reflect the uncertainty in our world. There are things that we may never know, and I encourage and support science in pursuing answers, but I also think larger conceptual questions are great at stirring conversation, and again, allowing for intellectual discourse, whether that reaches conclusions or not. And I think there are people, very understandably so, and I have moments of feeling this way as well, that can't stand the idea that there are not answers and conversations about belief can, first of all, open up vulnerabilities, perhaps unnecessarily in the eyes of some people, and secondly, may not have any clear conclusion, and people don't like to deal with what is not concrete and distinct and defined, and it's understandable, but I also think that comes from an implicit and unspoken value in our world, or perhaps more specifically in our society, where we don't want to, and I think that should be pushed against, because there can be beautiful outcomes when you choose to be
1: equally vulnerable with someone on grounds such as this. Bringing up scientific inquiry is very interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot of this conversation about the difference between belief and knowledge and how, yes, belief is based in the idea that you can't necessarily prove what you think, but I think that knowledge is very tied to that. And I've been thinking about when I was a junior in high school, I was romantically involved with someone And I genuinely believed that I could talk my way into getting more than this girl wanted. I believed that that was okay and socially sanctioned, and that it was a perfectly acceptable thing to do if you were in a relationship. And then I subsequently learned and gained the knowledge that that was very not okay. I learned that no means no in every context, and that I'm not sure is a no. Anything but a blatant yes is a no. I've learned that knowledge. And now I really regret that decision to treat that human being poorly because I believe now that women should have as much sexual agency as men do in romantic situations, as well as any partner who is with any partner. But at that time, I believed this thing that was wrong. And subsequently, by learning through this girl yelling at me pretty severely, that that was a wrong action. And I'd
0: like to thank you for being vulnerable in sharing that because. As you described it, I recognize that for many of us, the process of learning is that of having your previous beliefs challenged. And I think society and people in general can be very insensitive to that fact, because those of us who reach certain beliefs earlier than others forget what it was like to have that ignorance. And unfortunately, we all start off in every area of our lives, I feel, with degrees of ignorance. And it's only through others yelling at us or any potentially negative encounter or positive, perhaps, that we learn what beliefs are socially sanctioned, what beliefs we in fact have that may not always correlate with public or social beliefs. And I've had similar experiences where, again, unspoken beliefs that I held and was not aware that I held until moments of interaction became problematic. And it's unfortunate, but again, I would say a necessary part of life that The experience of living is one of being challenged in your beliefs or potentially reaffirmed in your beliefs by other people or the world that we have. And perhaps one reason that people feel uncomfortable sharing their beliefs in one moment or in one conversation is that these things will shift and change and we don't want to be pinned down to something that 10 days later we disagree with completely. What do you think about that idea?
1: Yeah, sharing your beliefs inherently could mean that they cease to exist, that people can give you information that, oh, when the sun goes away, it's just an eclipse, it's not the God stealing the sun away. Okay, that changes my beliefs. But I feel that that process is much more organic and necessary than, say, believing that Muslims aren't people because you've never met a Muslim, or living purely in beliefs and not having any knowledge or any facts to back you up. And to a degree, in
0: mentioning things like Islamophobia, as well as other hateful beliefs that we've mentioned before, I'm rather confident that ignorance like that is a form of unspoken belief, that on some level, your belief there is, I am correct in my knowledge and feeling. And I'm all for self-confidence, but in certain areas, especially when it comes to other people and how other people live and act and choose to engage with the world— Ignorance is certainly a very dangerous belief, especially when it comes to politics and actions and choices which will distinctly affect other people.
1: It's interesting how even our assumption that we can share our beliefs comes from our background. I'd wonder what you think about people that don't feel that their beliefs are valid or that they can share their beliefs. I know that I feel like I can share my beliefs because of the socioeconomic, racial, and gender background that I come from. I have an inherent belief that my beliefs are valid, that they should be listened to. And that's partly why I'm so open to sharing them with people. It's because I have a confidence in myself that comes from my privilege that what I'm saying is valid. That's not only
0: an important point to bring up, but a necessary one, because the nature of conversation means you have certain confidence in your ability to articulate things, but also that you deserve, you have the right to articulate those things, and you are shrewd in bringing up things like socioeconomic background and gender. What comes to mind for me is that many of the cartoons and TV shows I watched as a child contained very passionate protagonists who in every fight with a villain or any new adventure would remind the viewer and the world in which they lived of their beliefs in equality, in kindness, in generosity. And so it's not necessarily that I adopted their beliefs, although I think to a degree I did, because that's how media often works but that I adopted the practice of feeling comfortable sharing my beliefs in a conversation in some verbal format because I saw those that I admired portrayed in whatever worlds they were as being capable of doing that. And so I'm really glad that you
1: bring that up. You've probably been talking to people, Caroline mostly, but guests like me about what they believe constantly. I believe that poster that is on my fridge of Stride and Saunter says you're trying to have meaningful conversations with this podcast, and that's the goal. Do you ever find that there are a certain category of beliefs that people are particularly averse to that, say, stepping into some sort of taboo means that they instantly recoil?
0: Definitely. And that's a great question that I appreciate can be a bit self-referential. And perhaps our listeners will have more input on this because they've heard every conversation. For me, and I've noticed certain patterns, not only in recording conversations, but pre-recording when asking friends or associates if they'd like to be on, there are certain topics that I would like to approach, again, based in my beliefs and values that I feel can be discussed, that other people are incredibly hesitant to talk about and wary of. On one hand, there are issues involving people that we perceive as the other in cases of race that people do not want to discuss because it's so complex and I understand that completely. There are also issues of people sharing beliefs and coming off as judgmental or critical of those who do not share their same beliefs, which I understand. And I would say a third category that arises in my mind is that people are very unwilling to share their beliefs and opinions about fields they perceive to be largely based in fact, which I often find very interesting because while expertise has its place, Many of those people who are now experts became experts because they had beliefs and opinions that were not substantiated in fact, but rather perception of those fields. And that's why they pursued them, in my opinion. And I also think that it's a bit dangerous to say that only those with facts have the right to speak or engage in conversation. And again, that's not to claim that I have expertise about any of the things that we've discussed in this podcast or in this conversation specifically, but that I feel conversation. Is invaluable in exposing some of those gray areas. And as we've also mentioned in this conversation, some of those dangerous subconscious areas that have a high effect on how we behave, but a low register in our mind when we're thinking about our motivations. And of course, in the context of this conversation, our beliefs. Do you have any controversial beliefs? And if so,
1: why do you think you have them?
0: That's a really precise question and one that I really appreciate. I personally don't believe in evil people because I think that's highly simplistic. I definitely find certain actions to be evil and morally wrong, but morality is also very subjective. I think the nature of calling people evil makes a huge and sweeping judgment about the entirety of their personhood, individuality, and identity that I'm not comfortable making. And if we're digging deeper than that, I would say that belief comes from a fear on some level that I might someday make a mistake or engage in an action which was deemed by others as justification to call me as an entire human being completely evil. And that scares me because if we're being honest, as highly social beings, we do on some level want or appreciate at least the validation and approval of others. And so I think that may be at the root of why I believe that an evil person does not exist, although there are certainly evil actions Evil beliefs and evil pursuits? And I do value that question, but I would also value from you questions and things you would like our audience to think about after listening to this discussion of ours.
1: Yeah, I'd like to ask anyone that doesn't like to share their beliefs why they don't like to share their beliefs. I'd also like to ask anybody whether they have beliefs that they think are controversial and whether or not that informs their actions. I know that I have a lot of beliefs that I don't readily share. I do share most of the beliefs that I have with people that I know, but there are one or two that I don't necessarily always share all the time because I know that they might receive backlash or might change people's opinions of me. And I suppose whether or not the sharing of those beliefs is productive or whether keeping those kinds of beliefs in a cage only to be revealed to the most intimate of partners or friends, which choice is more productive? Because I think that either could be. I think those are
0: really great points. And I would urge the audience to consider, as I've tried to touch on at various points, the more subconscious or deeply buried aspects of our beliefs. And for those who are willing to try it, get a piece of paper and in private, write down what you think you believe if you're not willing to share that with other people and see what comes up, see if any patterns emerge, because beliefs are deeply bound in our history and our environments and the people with whom we share our lives, and that isn't always easy
1: to unravel. Particularly beliefs that you wouldn't necessarily immediately think of. Like I said at the beginning of the conversation, my mind instantly went to religion, but there are so many beliefs that I have that one could even think are trivial. I believe that you should knock on wood anytime you're about to jinx anything. I even know the historical background of why that superstition exists, but I still heavily believe it. I believe that certain people are mean. Little beliefs like that, I think, can even inform more than the big, heady, I believe in Allah, I believe in Vishnu, those kind of things. And before we close the episode,
0: I'd like to thank you for coming on for what was definitely a very vulnerable, but in my opinion, rewarding conversation. Yeah, please have me back. I would be happy to. But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we would love to hear any feedback, input, thoughts, or opinions you have, as well as beliefs. So if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show, which helps expand our audience and the conversation as well, and also consider sharing this episode with a friend who you think might find the conversation meaningful or valuable in some way. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.